Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 1 through 5. Our prayer request for the week comes from a listener who had a friend of theirs that got injured in a target practice incident. It seems as if they were not too injured, but please continue to keep them in your prayers if you can this week as they are recovering. Now this week I just have a bourbon and Diet Coke. It's a Woodford Reserve. I poured it really quickly here because it is Monday afternoon and I need to get this episode up by Tuesday morning. So I just went with a very basic drink here just so I can go ahead and have this episode up for you all. But let's go ahead and begin with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for everything that you continue to do in our lives, for the world around us, for the sun, for the stars, for the grass, and for the air. We know that all of this is part of your creation, and we ask that you allow us to see the beauty that it is all around us in everything we do. Allow us to not focus on the negatives, but instead to see the positives. We pray this in your son's holy and great name. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 through 5. When Jesus had finished saying all of these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priest and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be riots among the people. Matthew chapter 26, verse 1 through 5. This moment is truly where the march to Calvary begins. It was at this time in which Jesus had pushed the religious authorities, who were often at odds with one another, into unity. Unity around a single point, that they needed to kill Jesus. The Sanhedrin, uh, this group of elders and priests, was the group of Jewish elites that met to decide matters of religious authority. Uh, they met in much the same way as a senate or a congress would meet. Uh, they would meet and vote on particular issues, but these issues were all religious in nature. They were very important to the people of Jerusalem and the Jewish people as a whole because they were the only source of power that was separated in some way from Roman authority. Because Rome didn't have any say over the Jewish people's religious matters directly. And I say directly because they did have some authority. Uh, the Romans appointed the high priest, and many of the elders who sat on the council owed some allegiance to Rome. But the Sanhedrin, as a group, was only made up of Jews. Uh, so there was no Romans, per se, uh, that ruled in that sphere. 
Now, there were kings that ruled over uh, sections of the provinces of Israel, but this line of kings was from Herod. And these kings were not seen quite as Jewish because their heritage was from Adam, not from Jerusalem. And the kings from the line of Herod were very tied up in the Roman world. They were given their titles directly from the Roman emperor. So they may have practiced the Jewish faith, but the Jewish people did not see the kings as a Jewish monarchy. The Sanhedrin was different because they were Jews who practiced the Jewish faith and they were part of an institution that was present before the Roman Empire came to power in that part of the world. But they were a divided power. Anytime you have a council that makes decisions, uh, there are divisions, parties that you might think of. This wasn't just a division either on religious natures. It wasn't just Pharisees and Sadducees, but there were also different groups. Uh, there were some groups that wanted more connection with Rome, while some groups that wanted independence. Uh, there were many independent factions or, or factions that sometimes would work together and sometimes wouldn't, each one vying for control. And none of them could act independently. And in fact, the high priest who was named high priest by the Roman authorities had his own checks and balances. He wasn't able to control the Sanhedrin on his own. And in fact, in many ways, there was another position that was seen as his opposite. Uh, there was a role of the president of the Sanhedrin uh, that was appointed by the Sanhedrin themselves, not from Rome. During this period, there was a man called Gamil the Elder, who was the president of the Sanhedrin. Uh, he's actually mentioned in the Bible. He is mentioned as the teacher of the Apostle Paul, and he's also seen in the book of Acts showing leniency uh, toward the apostles of Jesus Christ. And many people see him as a good figure among the Jews in Israel during the life of Jesus. He's known as a friend of the church. And that's where we get this idea of this high priest and this president of jostling for position, always in opposition to each other. But in this bit, uh, we don't have that opposition. Now, Gamil may have been uh, opposed to the crucifixion of Christ. He may have, but we don't see it here in our text. Uh, we see that the high priest, uh, Caiaphas, uh, was definitely for the crucifixion of Jesus, and he presented that to this council, the Sanhedrin. But we never get an opposition. And for all we know, this president, Camille, may have also spoken favor of it. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but we do know that executing Jesus wasn't a simple task. Uh, they couldn't just openly kill him. Um, because they didn't have that authority. Uh, so far, they could only convict Jesus of blasphemy, uh, pushing people against the true faith. Because blasphemy is a religious crime, and it was in the purview of the Sanhedrin. It was one that the Roman officials didn't really care about. 
Uh, The Roman officials were concerned about government and blasphemy for the Jewish faith. Well, that's a Jewish concern. But the Sanhedrin, while they did have the right to convict someone for blasphemy, wasn't allowed to execute them. Because the Roman authorities didn't want to give that power away. Because execution was kind of their thing. And they thought if the Sanhedrin was able to execute people, they could challenge Rome for control of the government. So while the Sanhedrin did persecute Jesus for blasphemy, they realized in order to have him executed or crucified, they needed to have the Roman officials persecute him for something else. That's why they brought him in front of Pilate. Uh, They brought him in front of Pilate not on the charge of blasphemy, but in fact they were charging him with attempting to lead an insurrection. Which is interesting because Jesus never did that. And in fact, if you look at Jesus' message, he, he never in any way mentions anything overtly political. So they had to convince Pilate and Rome that by Jesus saying he was the Messiah, he was saying that he was the new king of Israel. And that new king of Israel was a political king, not a religious king. This is how the Pharisees viewed the Messiah, how many Jewish authorities viewed the Messiah, but it's very clearly not how Jesus viewed the Messiah. So they had to make this whole convoluted mess of a bureaucratic nightmare as a way to persecute Jesus to the level of his crucifixion. They had to push the Roman authorities to persecute him by arguing over the nature of the Messiah in such a confusing way that Pilate, who was not a Jew, would be forced to just listen to them. It's a bit sly and fairly underhanded. And they knew that by doing all of this, if for some reason the wrong message got out to the people, if they understood the full underhanded mess of what the Sanhedrin was doing, they probably wouldn't be in favor of this execution. And because there was a festival, the Passover, there were many Jews from all over the heartland that came in. Uh, Many people who probably saw Jesus sometime in his ministry. Uh, Jesus had just entered into the city with loud shouts of Hosanna. They needed to make sure the people who cheered for him to enter on Palm Sunday would be shouting crucify on Good Friday. They had to make sure that the right message went out. And that's interesting. Because the Sanhedrin was supposed to be a council who only interpreted laws. They did not make laws. Uh, they interpreted laws from Scripture, and they applied them to various situations. That's all they were supposed to do. And they were supposed to be impartial with that as well. They were supposed to be above board and above criticism. But here, what we're seeing them do with Jesus is the exact opposite of that. They are pushing forward an agenda and making the laws fit that agenda, not the laws creating those agendas. And then, knowing that they're doing everything wrong, the only way that they can continue to do this is if they spin it in front of the public eye. And this is a juxtaposition that is seen 
when you compare it to Christ. Christ is crucified because they want him crucified, not because he's done anything wrong. And while it may be a painful, grueling event for Jesus, it is not a tragedy. Jesus' crucifixion was preordained. We see that in the scripture. Jesus knew where his ministry would end. He knew it would end at the cross because through the cross comes the resurrection, a rebirth. And in many ways, Jesus is using their own backstabbing against them. He knew that they wouldn't be able to control themselves. He knew that they would fall into petty bickering, that they would try to get Jesus out of the way, and they wouldn't be bound by their own laws, that they would go above and beyond what was allowed and instead do something criminal. And in many ways, their own lack of control created their own destruction. The role of high priest in Israel had been in effect since the very beginning. Moses' brother Aaron was the first high priest. But within 30 years after Jesus' crucifixion, the office was destroyed, never to come back again. The office was destroyed in part because this council, these high priests, could not control themselves. There have been some attempts to bring back the office of high priest very recently in modern Israel, but none of them have taken off. And even then, it's over 2,000 years later. And to think, all of that ended within a generation of Christ's crucifixion. And we can see with the ending of this role of high priest and the expansion of Christianity, Christianity growing out to many different uh, locations, many new people, it's almost impossible not to see how they signed their own destruction. So when we read this, we should see how Jesus deals with this situation. He knew that these people were going to oppose him. He knew that they would do anything to lead to his destruction, but, but he used that against them. He knew that through the crucifixion, something greater could happen. And you're called to be like Jesus, not to be like that high priest or any of the council of the Sanhedrin. Don't fall into traps. Be beyond petty bickering and petty politics. Be with Jesus moving forward to what is right. Always working toward the resurrection. Thank you for joining me this week. We will continue with our Holy Week study in the Gospel of Matthew next week. As always, if you have any questions, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. And while it's true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.